0: All right, do you want the good news or the bad news? When someone asks you that question, what do you normally say, the good news? Or, well, I'm just curious. Everyone says the bad news, me too. I want the bad news first, why? Because you want to like end with the good news, right? I want to walk away on a positive note. So that's me. Uh, if you are the guy who wants to, always wants to start with the good news, uh, you need to work on delayed gratification. It's good for you. You know, wait on that. I want to start out this morning uh, by giving us the bad news. The bad news is this, life is hard. Yeah, I hate to drop that on you on a holiday weekend, but it's true. Has anybody observed this? Life is hard. It's kind of a, almost like a go-to statement for me at my house when my kids get whiny and they want to complain about stuff and, oh, we're having that for supper. Oh, I don't like that food. And I'll just like, I get a little tear in my eye and I'll go put my arm around them and be like, oh man, buddy life is hard isn't it your mom feeds you good food that she made you know and the internet is slow I'm sorry you lost your 2v2 tournament this weekend on your gaming thing that you were doing, and it glitched, and you got killed, and you only got second place, but life is hard. And so we joke around in my house a lot about how life is hard, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there in it, this first world problems, like our internet was horrible a couple of months ago. We had to get it worked on, and it was like, I'm trying to ask Google a question, and I don't know the answer. Life is hard. But the reality is life is actually hard. In a lot of ways. Not just first world, world problems. Uh, it's big things. Like maybe you have struggled with some major things in your life. Struggle. There's health issues going on in your life. You tried to take control of your health and do something like lose weight or change some habits. And it's just like no matter what I do, it's very, very difficult. Maybe something that you wish you could do. A talent that you wish you had. That you just don't have. And it makes life hard. Marriage. Can be hard. Lindsay and I celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary, and I got to tell you, it's it's been wonderful. I love my wife. I've loved the 18 years we've had together. But there have been seasons where we've had to work on things. Marriage can be hard. Maybe you've got insecurities that make your life hard. Are you feeling me? Life is hard, and that's the bad news. And there are all kinds of struggles: physical struggles, emotional struggles, relationship struggles, and of course, spiritual struggles. And so, I want to give a name to all that hard life today. Okay, this is the the name we're going to use. We're going to call it. Weakness, weakness. Because there's some area of our life that's weak. It might be a, a you might be weak, I might be weak, or it might be our circumstances are weak, or the people around us are weak, and less us in a bad situation. Today, I want to address weakness because we have so many weaknesses, and they make life hard. And if we could just change those weaknesses about ourselves, we totally would, wouldn't we? If we could improve that relationship, if we could change that financial situation, if we could do this or do that, we totally would. And so, what have you done about that? How have you approached God about that? We're in this teaching series called Wrestling with God. And, uh, and it's been a good look at just, the, the, the goal of the series really was to go through the scriptures and find stories of people who were honestly wrestling through weaknesses struggles pain life is hard and if you remember the series we've looked at a lot of things we started all the way near the beginning of the Bible with the story of Jacob this guy Jacob he wrestles with God actually physically there's like this angelic being that he's got to wrestle with that's a really cool story you should go back and listen to it if you don't know it but he's wrestling with this idea of like how do I rectify my past with what I think God wants to do in my future and that was his wrestling match and maybe you've been there the second week we made a met a young lady named Hannah Hannah was struggling with a very common problem. She was not able to have children. And so her infertility was something that she was very self-conscious about, felt very uh, low about, and people around her were having children. And she went to God in tears, like, please, why? Why me? And through Hannah's story, we saw uh, what God can do through our faithfulness and how God sometimes actually answers our prayers exactly like we need them answered. And in that time, we see God showing up as we wrestle. The third week, we looked uh, at a dude who really struggled. This guy was Job. Remember Job? And the question we asked was, What does God do about suffering in the world? There's weakness, there's pain, there's hurt. Life is hard. And last week, we kind of turned the camera inside ourselves and we looked at the question of hypocrisy. We studied the life of Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus. And we basically asked the question, How do you avoid hypocrisy? How can you get out of that? And how can you have a life of integrity that will kind of get you past that? How do we wrestle through that? So these wrestling matches that we've been going through, they're all too common. And the reason I love series like this is because we get to look at the Bible and we get to see that people in the Bible are just like us. They're just humans. They're just people dealing with life. Today, we're gonna look at a guy who was a giant. This guy, not a physical giant, not Goliath. He was a giant in the faith. He was a giant in how he approached God. And we look at him as one of the great giants of all time He's the Apostle Paul. It's something that he wrestled through that you wouldn't think about someone like him wrestling through. Weakness, A very specific weakness. And so maybe you know this story. If you want to go and grab your Bibles, we love to look to God's Word for God's most important truth for our lives. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Uh, if you need a Bible, we've got some of that at the coffee bar that you can take. You can keep them. You can write your name in the front cover if you need a Bible. We want to give away Bibles to anyone who needs one every time they need one. And so uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. So go ahead and flip over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a, a little bit of setup to get into this because we really need to understand where Paul's coming th- from as he gets to 2 Corinthians 12. But go ahead and flip over there and we'll be there in just a minute. Uh, If you know Paul, I mean, Paul, like other than Jesus, he might be the person that Christians and churches talk about the most because Paul ends up writing the majority of the New Testament of the Bible. And he kind of lays down the foundations and the instructions for how we do church and how we uh, live our lives. But when we first meet Paul, he's not a Christian. And he actually wasn't dealing with a lot of struggles, from what we can tell. His life was actually pretty easy, from what I can tell. Take tell a couple of things about Paul when we first meet him, okay? First of all, he was a Roman citizen. Okay, the Romans had taken over most of the world, and including the area where the Jews lived. And Paul, though he was a Jew, was also, because of his parents, a Roman citizen. There's a whole story there. And as a Roman citizen, as you can imagine, having citizenship to the empire had benefits. We find that as a Christian, he used that to his advantage in his missionary journeys but I'm sure that it was something he used his whole life. He was living a pretty posh and comfortable life. Before Paul became a Christian, he actually had a really great reputation. He studied under a guy named Gamaliel. Gamaliel was known as like the premier teacher of the Jewish faith, at least one of them. And Paul was one of his star pupils. And so Gamaliel had uh, got Paul to a place where he was able to climb this kind of uh, social and political ladder in the Jewish leadership. To the point that when Christianity rises up and a lot of the Jewish leadership wanted to stomp it down. You know who they called to stomp it down? Paul. That was his position in their society. They're like, man, this is the guy. He knows the Jewish law better than anybody. Perhaps he could be the one who could go in and convince these people that the message of Jesus is not what they should be doing. And so he goes out, and he actually has some pretty serious uh, things. We studied uh, the book of Acts several months ago, so you might remember this. But Paul actually goes out from the Jewish leadership with legal papers to do whatever it takes to stomp down Christianity in the different areas he goes to serve, up to the point of executions. So he's able to kill people. That's how powerful and how influential uh, Paul was. And he was going by the name Saul at the time, but we're going to call him Paul. Until he meets Jesus. See, Paul had set out on a journey to do some persecution of some Christians in a town called Damascus. And he runs into Jesus on the road there. This is after the execution and subsequent resurrection of Jesus. And so I want you to put this into context. Paul is going around persecuting people who are saying that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's like, he did not. Jesus did not rise from the dead. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Who shows up to see Paul on the road? Jesus risen from the dead. So Paul's like, oh, these people that I was going to persecute, they were right. I was wrong. It's a humbling moment. And Paul eventually becomes a believer, but not just any believer. Paul becomes a giant in the Christian faith. Possibly one of the greatest Christian missionaries to ever live. One of the most dramatic stories of life change that we can point to. Someone trying to end the church who becomes literally the guy who starts dozens of churches. He ends up writing what becomes the majority of our New Testaments of our Bible, which is where we get instructions for how the church works. And Paul's writing has become the foundation for the church and for Christian living. So Paul is a spiritual giant, but it's a little wild that just as Paul gets in line with God's will, that's when life starts to get hard, and he experiences struggle, and he experiences weakness. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but before 12 is chapter 11. If you want to flip back there, you can see in chapter 11, Paul kind of goes on this this rant where he's telling these people there all the things that he's had to go through for the sake of the gospel. He says, I've been in prison. I've been flogged. I've been beaten with rods. I've been stoned. People try to kill them with big rocks. I've been shipwrecked. Three times, I was lost at sea. I was constantly on the move. I was in danger from people locally. I was in danger from foreigners. He knew hunger. He knew thirst. He knew what it meant to be without. And so in chapter 11, he's just laying that out. Like, listen, it's been really hard for me. Paul, the spiritual giant, he is struggling. It's been difficult for him. And you know, me and you, we could probably sit down and we could make a list of all the times life has been hard. Life is hard. Let's make a list, bulleted list. But you think of someone like that, he's this, he's this like ethereal character in, in the psyche of Christianity. It's like, man, Paul certainly had it together, right? Certainly he didn't have to deal with these things, but if you know his story, you know he, he did. He struggled a lot. He went through a lot of things. So that when we get into chapter 12, we're jumping into the middle of this one more struggle he's going through. Let me tell you what's happening in Corinth at the time. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're, we're, we're going to be starting in verse uh, 6. But right as we get there, there are people in Corinth who have come in and have challenged Paul's authority. They're like, he's not fit to be an apostle. He's a liar. He's preaching a false gospel. He's a false prophet. So Paul is writing partially this book to make a case for the fact and, 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 and make it an argument that, no, I am. I, I was sent by God to do this. The things that I did say were true. He's defending himself. So he picks up in verse 6, and he, he's talking about how he could boast. He could brag about what God has done, but he does something different. This is where we go. Now, finally, you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast. I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or what I say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So in reality, Paul had a lot to boast about. I just gave you his credentials, okay? He's super well-educated. He had a great reputation even before he was a Christian. He used that education to advance the gospel even more. He plants all these churches. He writes all these letters. People look to him for authority. He could play that game. So he's saying to these, these, uh, these people who are trying to shut him down, he says, look, if you want to play the bragging game, I could do that. I could do that. But I refrained. Instead, he does something, anyone in this room, if you, if you lead in any way, I want you to take a note from what Paul does right here when people are challenging his authority. He could, he could uh, you know showboat, he could get on his high horse, but instead he takes a step back. He humbles himself and he does something completely different. Look at this. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. He said, I could boast, I could brag, I could put you guys to shame and tell you how great I am, but you know what? Let me actually tell you about how I'm weak. Let me tell you where I struggle. Great leadership tip from Paul here. In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh this thorn in the flesh, um, it's been debated and talked about for, for generations, for hundreds of years. And the question is, what is the thorn in its flesh that he's talking about? I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Uh, it's a classic question. And there are a lot of ideas as to what this thorn in the flesh could be. First, I want us to know this it was a specific thing. Like, there was one instance or one situation in his life that was really driving him crazy. He calls it a thorn in the flesh, but it's just like a pain in the butt. You know, it's like this is this thing that I'm just like struggling with. Maybe it was a physical ailment. That's what a lot of people point to. A lot of people point to maybe he had bad vision. He couldn't see well, and so that was a struggle for him. Maybe he suffered from migraines. Maybe he uh, had a speech impediment. Maybe there was a disease like malaria that he was dealing with. These are all things people have postulated that they could be these things. So maybe it was a physical ailment. Maybe it was a spiritual thorn. So maybe Paul had this temptation or this addiction he was dealing with. And he's like, it's always in the back of my mind. Maybe it was spiritual. Maybe it was an emotional thorn. A broken heart or something maybe it was a relational thorn in this flesh look you don't break up with the whole Jewish faith the way that Paul did and walk away with no enemies I mean this you right here in Corinth he's struggling with some enemies through that and all over the place and there were places where you saw that there were people trying to jump him and kill him and so maybe it was a relational thorn I don't know I don't know if we can know for certain what the thorn in the flesh was for Paul I actually don't have a strong opinion myself. Some people will stand up and say, this is what I think it was. I don't think it really matters. I actually kind of like the fact that it's a little bit ambiguous because it makes me relate to it a little bit more. (laughs) Because whatever I'm going through, maybe that's what Paul was going through. But what we do know is that Paul was wrestling with this. He was wrestling hard. And let me me show you why. I I don't know if you caught this as we read it. I want to call this the paradox of weakness. The paradox of weakness. And, And you'll see why. Because it seems that Paul says that he was given a thorn in his flesh. And we're going to presume from the context that this is something that God allowed. Okay, so let's say God gave him a thorn in the flesh. But that Satan was able to use it to torment him. Like we're told that God gives good gifts to his children. That's what we understand about God from scripture. We're also told that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion. And he's seeking people to devour. So there's kind of this battle for our souls. This spiritual warfare. And it seems from this context that when God gives us gifts, sometimes he can give us gifts that we might not want. Do you ever get one of those gifts? You ever get one of those ugly sweaters, you know, from like grandma or something? You ever get a, you know, fruitcake, whatever, you know, pick that gift that you're like, oh, thank you. You know, and here's the thing about gifts. It says he was given a thorn in the flesh. That's where I'm playing. I mean, to gifts, when you give something, what is it called? It's called a gift. Okay, so I'm, I'm using that. I'm maybe taking a little bit of liberty there, but... When someone gives a gift, their intentions are typically good, right? Even if it's your friend that gives you the ugly thing that you don't want, or the broken thing, or the thing that you already have. But their intentions are good, right? This is God giving the thorn in the flesh. And at the same time, Satan uses this gift, if we can call it that, to torment him. You know what I've found is that Satan's pretty good at allowing his minions to use God's gifts to us to pull us away from the kingdom of God. I want to speak directly to a very uh, privileged and wealthy people. We are, right? Americans. All the things we have. Even the poorest among us are better than many people in the world financially. I see wealth being used like this a lot. We call wealth a blessing. It's a gift. God blessed us. He took care of us. But how often... Does our wealth pull us away from God? Our house, our car, our technology, it's a blessing. Can Satan not use it to pull us away as well? I think about people with talents and skills, and I would make a strong argument that if you've got a skill, if you've got a talent, yeah, you probably worked really hard on it and good for you, but God blessed you with the ability to do it. And how many people misuse their skills and their talents to not honor God to pull themselves away from the kingdom of God. How many people have used their God-given intellect and intelligence to try to outsmart God? I don't need you, God. I'm smarter than that. I got all the answers. So you see how a gift from God can be used to pull us away from God. Interesting. Like a kid that you give a car to. Hey, be careful. And then they stay out past curfew. It's a gift, but we can misuse it and certainly it can be used in spiritual warfare to hurt us, warfare to hurt us, and pull us away from God. And I'm calling that the paradox of weakness, because the paradox is in that, like when you, we think of weakness, we're like, "Well, this is a bad thing in my life; it needs to go away." But is it possible that God allowed it to be there, and that He could use it for His glory? When some people have a thorn in the flesh, it shakes their faith. Maybe you've been there. I know I have. And some people get to the point with a weakness that they just walk away from their faith. If God loved me, life would be easier. But you look at the giant of the Christian faith, Paul, and you see that it wasn't until he became a Christian that he started to be challenged in all of this. And now Paul, whatever he's going through, whatever his thorn is, he chooses to keep his faith. He he sees God sitting on the throne and he believes that God is for him and he believes that God wants good for Paul. And so Paul decides that his thorn in the flesh has purpose and that that purpose seems to be to humble and ground him. He says, to keep him from being conceited. I was given a thorn in the flesh, even though Satan used it to torment me. So Paul does something that's really difficult here, okay? And this is really the big lesson from Paul. He sees the thorn as a gift, and he decides to use it from God's, for, for God's glory. Um, so Second Corinthians chapter 12. Now we're going to move on to verse 8. Paul wrestles with God about this thorn. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, this is hard to say, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul has this thorn. He's dealing with this issue. It's his suffering. is his pain. It's this specific thing. We don't know exactly what it is. Fill in the blank. But he pleads with God, begging him, please take this away from me. I'm, I'm reminded of the scene of Jesus just before he gives his life on the cross. If you don't know that scene, basically, it's the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. And He's praying. And he's like, Lord, please, if there's anything that we could do other than this, other than me being crucified, because that really seems painful, could we please do that instead? And Jesus decides to accept God's will, which is that, no, this is the way. This is how we're doing this. And, And then Paul takes a few more times. Jesus asks once, Paul asks three times, but he pleads with God. He prays specifically that the Lord would take away this pain. And, and it, that's exactly what we should do when we find ourselves in weakness. We need to take it to God. And that's, look, if you've been paying attention for the last four weeks, that's kind of been like the go-to for every time. The first thing we do is we take our struggle, our argument, our fight. That's what the wrestling is. The wrestling with God is us taking our weakness to God. We need to plead with God. Many times, if it takes more than three for you, um, yeah, you're in the same boat as me. Like 3 I'm like, only three? You only, asked, you only asked three times? I'd be asking for that every single day. If it was that bad, if it was tormenting me, if it was pulling me away from faith or, or maybe just making it miserable over and over and over. Because you know, more than anything, I think God just wants our attention. He wants us to take it to him. He wants to know that we are noticing this and he wants us to go to him in prayer. So Paul specifically prays, Take this thorn away. But God gives him an answer, and it's pretty tough to swallow. Second Corinthians 2.9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I've given you what you need. You've got grace. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then that's where Paul says, therefore, okay, if that's the way it has to be, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. When we're going through something, And we pray to God, and we're like, Lord, please take this away. This is not the answer we want to hear. Because let's translate that answer. No. (laughs) Please make it better. No. I've given you grace. I've given you, I mean, think about the things God has already blessed us with. I mean, I can't answer that for you. I I know it for me. And God's like, what more do you want? My power is made perfect in your weakness. And it turns out that our weakness is an opportunity for Jesus to work. Because when we can recognize our own weakness, there's a point where we step back and go, okay, the only way for this to work is if God gets involved. Paul was a man of great power, great network, great talent, He could hold the audience, the the attention of an audience as long as he wanted to. He would go into a city as a stranger and have hundreds of people just listening to him talk. Some of the greatest minds in their day up in Athens heard him talk and was like, okay, uh, we need to take you to all the smart people. Come talk. This is Paul's talent. He had skills. He had financial stability. From what we can tell, he took care of his own finances. This isn't a guy who's begging for money all the time. He's fairly wealthy. He can take care of himself. But God's job for Paul was so important that Paul could not get a big head about himself. So it seems that God steps in and goes, Listen, Paul, I need you to rely on me. Not your strength, not your network, not your influence, not your ability to hold a crowd or your financial security. I need you to rely on me and my spirit. My power is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, I'm strong. So here's the lesson, Paul could have let this thorn define him, I'm the guy with the addiction, I'm the guy with the pain, I'm the guy with the background, I'm the guy with uh, the bad vision or the health problems, like whatever it was that was his thorn. But instead he said, okay, I'm going to be defined by the grace of Jesus. And that is like a black belt ninja Christian move right? I mean, that's, that's like top-tier ability. That's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. But as, as a kind of conclusion to this whole teaching series about wrestling with God, I feel like it's a great place to land because we're going to wrestle with God about a lot of things, a thorn in your flesh, an issue. But the real solution to it all is for us to learn to submit and let God shine. It's a hard lesson, and this is how Paul says it. We're going to say it again. This is the second half of verse 9. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power might rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, this sounds ridiculous. Listen to what he says. For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, what do we learn about our own weakness from the, the life of Paul? I mean, we can learn a lot. And, and I, I love that we're discussing this today because there's so many parts of Paul's life that we get to. And this is one that we, we tend to skip a lot. Um, I see this. First of all, I see first of all, pain and struggle in the world is obvious. We see it everywhere. It's like, it's no surprise. There's pain and struggle in the world. Can we agree on that? You watch the news. Just, you know, everybody's freaking out about everything all the time. So, it's, the world is hurting. We recognize that. And when someone else is hurting it is really easy for us to just ignore it. It is. If you're a good person, like one of the ways we define good people is that they help other people. And really, that's a pretty low bar, honestly, but it's because it's our nature. We like to ignore suffering. We don't want to see it. We don't want to see pain. But here's the reality. When the suffering is on your front doorstep, you are ready to do anything in your power to take care of it. If your car breaks down, you're going to be calling somebody to get it fixed. If your buddy's car breaks down, you're like, man, good luck with that. Ooh, I got something to do. And so we're real quick to try to fix our power, our, our, our struggles. And so there, there's, two, there's two questions I want to ask today as we kind of close things out. Two questions. The first one is this. What weakness have you been wrestling with? I, I define like life is hard as weakness, okay? And so that might be kind of counterintuitive in some ways because some of our weakness isn't our fault, like, we're having weak areas in our life because someone else did something. But understand, that's what I mean. Like, any area in our life where it seems like it's a spiritual battle and the powers of this world are trying to drag us down, what weakness have you been wrestling with? What's the thing that if you could snap your fingers, here's a qualifier so you can define it. If you could snap your fingers and make it go away, what would it be? What would it be? I'll give you a second to think about it because I want you to really think about this. Write it down. Text a friend. Talk to somebody at your table about it, whatever you need to do. If you could snap your finger and make this thing go away, what would it be, okay? Um, first step, we've already talked about this. Let's take it to God. Take it to God. Beg him to take it away. He invites us to do that. Lord, I want this to go away. Lord, I'm snapping my fingers all I can. Uh, so that, that, and maybe he will. I've seen God remove people's pain. It's been amazing. Like, things get better. And it's like, wow, thank you, Lord. And maybe that's all that God needs in that moment for you, for you to pay attention. But here's a lesson I think we learned from Paul. We might need to prepare ourselves for this answer, No. We might need need to prepare ourselves for the answer. My grace is sufficient because my power is made perfect in your weakness. So maybe he won't do exactly what we hope he would do. If that happens, uh, I want you to know this because it's this still the, the overarching cre- question. You know, what weakness have you been wrestling with? And, you, and, and a lot of you have probably been through this process. You know? You've tried to work through things. You've tried, you've tried, you tried. This is important to know. And this is something I've tried to say every week in this series. If you're still wrestling through that, you need to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You are surrounded by, sorry guys, you're surrounded by weak people. <laughs> we are a bunch of weaklings. We got issues, we got problems, and we put on a strong face. And sure, You might have a better ability to deal with this or that than I do, so you've got some strengths, but you're surrounded by weak people. You're not alone, but we're a community of people who want to acknowledge our weaknesses, our brokenness, and our baggage, and take it to God. You're not alone, and so don't struggle through this alone. You're also not alone in the sense that God is there. He wants you to bring it to him, and he wants to teach you something through this, and he wants to guide you. You're also not alone in that the apostle Paul (laughs) struggled through weakness. Even the greatest giants among us have these moments. So first identify it. What is the weakness? Take it to God. Be prepared for the answer. Second question, second question. How can you allow God to work through your weakness? It's interesting how glad most of us would be to let God work through our strengths. I mean it's awesome. Oh, you're a great musician, man. Get up here and sing. Oh, you did a great job singing and playing. Oh, you're so giving and so hospitality, so hospitable. Thank you for you know, hosting a small group at your house. You did a great job. Oh, you went and took care of people that were hungry or people that are hungry. Good job using your strengths. Good job using your strengths. And it makes us feel good to use our strengths, doesn't it? But we don't like to highlight our weaknesses. We sweep those under the rugs. We lock them in closets. That's why we have metaphors for that. <laughs> under the rug, in the closet. We don't want to see it. We don't want to talk about it. I have had so much weakness in my life. I, I want to try to do what Paul's done and highlight that and say, man, I've had some thorns in my flesh. Um, I've told some of my story in various settings, and there are moments I'm not proud of. There's addiction I've struggled through. There's times when I've just hurt people that I love. And i got to celebrate. God has seen me through that. He's made me a better man because of it. But I can't tell you the number of times when I've sat across the table from another man and we're having a moment of discipleship or talking and work, working through life. And I could, like Paul, I could, I could try to choose to boast. Hey, listen, don't worry, buddy. It's gonna get, let me tell you what God's done through me. Let me just say some things I've done. I could make a list of things I've done good. First of all, that feels real icky. But you could. You could try that. But when I've just stopped and say, yeah, I, I feel you. I've been there. Let me tell you about my brokenness. Let me tell you how I've hurt. And let me tell you what God has done to pull me through that. The number of times I've told stories that way of my life, and the person on the other side of the table goes, wow, that was helpful. When we expose our weakness before other people, we're vulnerable, and we're willing to be honest. Oh, man, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Because people know that they're not alone. And if you have worked through some weakness and God has pulled you through the other side, you can be a testimony of what God can do. And you know what? You don't have to brag about what God's done in your life because it's obvious. People can see it. God is okay with your weakness because it's an opportunity for his strength to shine. And we might want it to go away, but he says, my grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm thankful for when God works through my strengths. I would prefer that. It's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more happy. He does it all the time. But personally, I've learned to see his presence more clearly when the spirit moves in my weakness. And so... What is your weakness? Where are you weak? What are, what are your disabilities? Have you got a past? Have you got baggage? Have you got struggles? Have you got an addiction? Have you got a pain? Family issues? Health issues? I, I know you don't want to think about it, but what is it? Take it to the Father. Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? The bad news is life is hard. But the good news, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, life is hard. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray today.